If the core value prop is to be able to really let anybody and everybody to own a bank account and to be able to do economic activities the same way that you can do if you are connected to one of the like largest economies uh, financial system. Decentralized finance or DeFi. This is actually real money, real change. That we go from this whole risk-averse, risk-managing organizations to organizations that actually manage only innovation. Basically, instead of trusting the bank, you're trusting the technology. The next phase is to really put this in front of a billion people. Dude, you remember when Venmo, Zelle, and, and PayPal came out? Dude, I was like eight years old when PayPal came out. But Venmo came out a bit later. Teenage years. Teenage yeah. years, I think. I guess I was not exposed to these technologies when uh, I was growing up in India. And then when I moved out here, that's when I was like, oh, people are using Venmo to just... Pay set, each other. Yeah, settle their bills. And back home, it's just Pay like... Pay rent yeah. with their roommates. Yeah, yeah. Back home, it was just like, oh, I owe you 15 bucks. I'll get you next time. And then you never see that person. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting when you come when you actually move out here and realize there's so many things that oh yeah, uh, we spent twenty dollars on dinner last night. Let me send a bill for that on, and it's so easy, it's it's so convenient, and everyone does it that there's no stigma around it. So yeah, huge yeah. unlock. I mean, it, it was it made a lot of things frictionless in terms of transacting peer to peer, you know. And we thought, you know, what a huge innovation in the financial system little did we know dude that this was gonna be just scratching the surface of what we can actually innovate on in the financial system what came after that right bitcoin these products that sit on what you know this ominous term blockchain right yeah, yeah. is just changing the way we think about the financial system in general I still remember like being in uh, undergrad in India and um, um, I had a friend who was like super savvy, dude, super savvy. And this was like 2013, right? So still very early days, Bitcoin is under like, I don't know, 100 bucks or something. And he was like, dude, they're using this this form of internet money and uh, they're selling drugs. And then you can you can hire, <laughs> you can hire like a hitman and kill someone and it's all online and no one can track it. And I was like, dude, that sounds scary as hell. Uh, I don't want anything to do with that, you know, but that was the narrative in those early days, at least what was being spread out. So, so it's interesting. We've gone from that kind of outlook to $65,000 Bitcoin. And a two oh, yeah. trillion dollar asset <laughs> class, which is insane in the span of what, dude? Like seven years. Seven years it took for it to go from uh, shady internet money to like pop culture. Po dude, yeah, honestly, pop culture. Dude. Honestly, unbelievable. Like NFL uh, athletes are taking their whole salary salaries in Bitcoin. It's like ridiculous the change in like seven years, right? And yeah, that's what we love talking about. We've kind of stayed away from this topic because we just wanted the right person, the right, the right authority to to talk about this incredible space and what they're building in it to kind of deep dive into it. With the advent of cryptocurrencies and you know the blockchain, many new technologies on top of what was already built, which was this blockchain, this ominous blockchain term that we keep hearing about, has come out. 
right? One of those very interesting and very exciting spaces on the blockchain is something called decentralized finance. Now, DeFi. You know, DeFi, dude. Yep, DeFi. DeFi. So if you're even following this space a little bit, th- this is one of those, this is one of those areas where it came out of nowhere and then just fucking popped in the span of a couple of years. Right. So what is what is DeFi? What is decentralized finance? So unlike the tra- traditional, you know, financial system, we have typically banks, right? In the middle of every single transaction, you want to buy something, you want to hold your money somewhere, you want to lend money to somebody else, you're going to need some sort of interaction with your bank, right? If you're a part of the bank population, you know that you have to hold an account with these banks um, and ask for their permission whenever you do something. So there are, like we don't see it because I guess it's become quite seamless, but every transaction that you have with your banks, um, with your credit card companies is through middlemen. Right. And, and that's the idea of, of the alternative of what we're talking about, decentralized finance, right? Is centralization versus decentralization. And the reason why decentralization is so at the core of this concept of, of a new type of finance is because basically instead of trusting the bank slash middleman that we've been talking about, you're trusting the technology. So, you know, this is a financial system that's completely getting built publicly on the blockchain, right? It mimics typical transactions that are in the traditional financial system, right? Loans, lending money, you know, being on exchanges, et cetera. It's incredible, dude. You know, there was a market, Mark, Mark Andreessen had something where he said software is eating up the world. And this was like, what, 13 years ago. And then you realize like any, everything is software, right? The numbers to your bank account are bits, computer code ultimately, right? Zeros and ones. Like in the same way, uh, you know, the smart, smart contract, you mentioned about it. It's fascinating. It's literally an agreement between two people publicly on uh, the blockchain. So it's verifiable trust. It's, you can trust it. Um, it's stored on the public database. So, you know, it's really hard for you to actually anonymously take that money and stuff like that. And it's permissionless, right? Yeah. You don't need to ask yeah. anybody's permission to get to do this thing. We just Without get to do it. Without a third party. <laughs> yeah. It can just be, uh, you know, a number of people just agreeing, having a consensus on a public blockchain rather than one third party middleman that controls the movement of information and flow of money or whatever. Exactly. So exciting in practice. And and we've talked about kind of, you know, the overall definition, but we'll link um, in some videos and some um, some documentation and white papers that you can use to further understand this. We are not the experts on the space. Therefore, we reach out to experts to get to know this this new space to us, to things have changed. Um, so is there any merit to this technology? Is Is it getting adopted? You know, what's going on in this space right now? So DeFi or decentralized finance, it's, it's only 5% of the entire crypto market, dude. So, you know, um, um, Bitcoin and all the other apps as well that are sitting on uh, different types of blockchains that have been built in the past few years that have been gaining attention, right? DeFi itself is only 5% of that, but it is the fastest growing space, dude. Okay. So since June of 2020, the amount of assets that are run in decentralized finance have grown by 1200%, dude. There's over a hundred billion 
yeah. assets sitting it's in real money, right? real money, hundred billion. That's real shit, dude. It's not a joke anymore. It's not a concept. And to actually talk about all of this, you know, it's complicated stuff. We've got a seriously impressive guest, um, Hussein Azari, who is actively building within this space. Yeah, his his CV is his rap sheet is ridiculous. Like, think about it. Uh, PhD comp- computer science from Harvard, um, MBA from Columbia Business School, uh, created an app um, for uh, to allow consumers to manage their finances and sold that over to Goldman Sachs, uh, the Goldman Sachs, for a lot for of a hundred million dollars. I was going to be a <laughs> bit more, you know, cool about it, but thanks for ruining that moment. No, but, but no, you can't be cool about a hundred million, dude. <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, you know, it's it it goes to show how um, humble he is and how grounded he is with regards to wanting to build cool stuff and um, opening access for the world to access such incredible technologies. And you know, one thing that is a consistent, th- one thing that's a consistent theme during this entire call is. Hussein is originally from Iran and, you know, it, it plays into a lot of things with regards to uh, currency devaluation and how this new technology can kind of um, free us from the shackles that we've been in with traditional finance and the third party middlemen that um, kind of control most of our money. So, uh, yeah, it, it was such a cool call. And uh, this is uh, just part one of our two part series. And um yeah, this is our first foray into uh, the crypto world and um, decentralized finance in particular. Yeah, so um, really excited to introduce Hussein Azari, our next guest on Things Have Changed. If you had known how important the technology economy was 20 years ago, would you have done things differently? The internet, cell phones, the cloud, and data. Things have changed, and we're here to talk about it. Hi, I'm Jed. Hi, I'm Shikhar. Welcome to Things Have Changed, your new economics and technology podcast. As listeners of THC know, you know, Jed is from, was born in Philippines. I was born in India. Hussein was born in Iran. And all three of us, I guess, share one common um, trend that our probably, our currency is my rupee. Jed, what's, what's the <laughs> currency in your? Peso. It's peso. peso. Pe- is yeah. it peso? And Hussein, what is it? Real. Real. Okay. We know what the state of the currency is with it depreciating. I, I'll give you an example. So my sister had um, a dance function in 2005. Gold, eight grams of gold is a big thing in India. Eight grams of gold was like 10,000 rupees. Today, it is 45,000 rupees. So it's just interesting how, you know, there are certain frailties, there are certain gaps within the traditional finance space that, you know, this promise of decentralized finance and crypto is aiming to overcome. Um, and Hussein, really excited to have you on to chat about this trend. And especially with um, the company that you're building, Seamark, um, 
and how you're integrating your learnings from the traditional world as well as this new uncharted decentralized world and where you see the future because you're ultimately building it. So it's really cool to get a first-hand account of what you think the space is going to be. So welcome to THC. Thank you very much for having me and thanks for the good introduction. So, um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of excitement, as you mentioned, about uh, crypto and decentralized technologies. Um, big part of it is because it's just grassroots movement and people drive it not in institutions, not governments. And that's at the end of the day, what everything boils down to. Um, we are the people. And that's a bigger trend. That's not even a five, 10 years trend. That's probably a hundred or thousand years uh, uh, that human has always gone in the direction of taking more ownership as people and decentralization. Mm -hmm moving from uh, monarchies to more democratic governments were, were decentralization, moving for feudalism to capitalism was decentralization, moving to be able to own equities, like is a kind of a new uh, thing in the human history is like the last hundred years, but to be able to own things in forms of securities and equity has been a decentralization. And now we just have this next phase of it that people could own or transact digitally without a middleman. And that just opens up a whole bunch of capabilities. Um, so at the core value prop is to be able to really let anybody and everybody to own a bank account or banking service account or whatever you want to call it. Um, and to be able to do economic activities the same way that you can do if you are connected to one of the like largest economies, uh, financial system. Um, and now we have a DeFi space and we have this crypto space that's around $3 trillion of market cap. Yeah. That's, that's almost the same as US banking system or like top banks yep. in US. So it has gone that far without any government or institution really stepping... People calling it rat poison, all yeah. of that. Good stuff. <laughs> so now we have come this far. The next phase is to really put this in front of a billion people. And as we do this, this is going to kind of just grow faster and better. And we don't think that it's not going to happen. We think there will be a billion user platform in the next 10 years. We just want to be part of it. We just want to help it and be there and just have fun doing it. And I think that's the big ethos that, you know, I've uh, just been on the sidelines watching from, I say, 2017. And it has its own culture. Like a traditional company cannot mimic that culture. It's really hard to get 50,000 people, you know, so involved with building the technology. They have, um, it, it's an interesting thing. The token, right, is they have skin in the game right away. Like it just, they want to build the community. The community wants to build ahead. The community votes. They have governance. So it's just a fascinating angle to look at finance. But 
just wanted to step back a bit. You know, you were at Goldman for for a bit. And how did that take you on this path? Because obviously you, before we jumped on the call, you mentioned how early you were in actually exploring the blockchain technology early 2010. So maybe if you can start there and kind of give us an overview of what drew you into the space. Yeah, so I, I, I had the job at Google, which kind of gave me a, a in, inside view of how one of these tech, big tech companies work. And the idea is not managing risk. The idea is managing innovation. So unfortunately, the experience from the banking side and seeing like how these uh, systems have ended up being designed in the last 40, 50 years, they are very much focused on managing risk. And I don't blame them. There, there are risks. However, uh, there is also a lot of technology out there, including blockchain. I think the safest place to hold your Bitcoin or Ethereum are the blockchain itself. So any layer around it, be it Coinbase, a large company or yeah. whatever, is just adding risks. And that's the new paradigm. That's like what turns this thing upside down, that we go from this whole risk-averse, risk-managing organizations to organizations that actually manage only innovation. They do well with risk, but the idea is you build new things. I was a, I was a kind of just new hire, and they gave me all the tools to be able to like come up with something that made the company a lot of money, actually $50 million annually. And I, I, I think about then I, I, I'm surprised after seeing like how, like in, in some of these banks, if you touching like $5 million, well, you need to work there for 10 years so that you're allowed to do so. And, and that's not how you innovate yeah. out of a legacy system. That's how you get stuck with it. But, uh, but to, to your point, now we have an alternative that puts innovation first and that's DeFi and blockchain. And the reason that people could gather around it, I think, uh, you're right. It is tough, but at the same time, it's actually historically proven and one of the simplest things to implement. It is one word, ownership. Give people ownership, let them lose or win with what they do, and they will do their best. People are creative. People are productive. You don't give them ownership and you just tell them not to do things. They're just going to follow. You give them ownership and you give them capability to uh, show up and do their best for the organization, for the platform, uh, they will do so. And it's not the first time in the history we see this. I see the success of U.S. as a, you know, the governance and as a society also along the same ways that really focus on individual ownership and the fact that you, you could, you can work hard, you can make things happen, but you can also own them. And it won't be taken away from you. That's the biggest thing, right? Like all three of us are from the developing world. And people don't quite get that, how important that is. Yeah, there are economic theories around basically the, the you know, social planning, like the, the idea of one people or group of people planning what the human will do and telling them what to do versus leaving it to them you know, to go on the ground, take risk on their own and figure things out. So that is something super powerful about just people on the ground operating on their own risk and figuring things out and being rewarded for it. And, and it's just uh, impossible to build a utopia that you tell people what to do and everything is going to be good. 
uh, that's theoretically in terms of just exploration and discovery and how fast moving is the world and how fast moving we should be as society. It you can think about that as a kind of not a not a practical solution. It will work for a while, uh, but but well, you hit crises, you hit changes, you hit competition. Uh, you need those people on the ground searching, discovering on their own. And if you cannot promote that, and if you cannot focus on that. Uh, then, then you, you're in for trouble. But take Ethereum, take, uh, take Bitcoin, take some of these platforms. There are like tens of thousands of developers just on the ground every day trying to figure out how to improve these things. And time and again, they show that they can do better than the current financial system. And uh, there will be some work to make these things a little bit safer, uh, a little bit easier to work with uh, and put it out there. But uh, it's a sure thing. It will happen because you have tens of thousands of people out there figuring it out while we have put a lot of talent in these uh, banking companies that uh, are just sitting there and trying to manage risk rather than managing innovation. You mentioned rails, right? And the fact that, you know, you're managing risk. Is it just that the traditional companies just sit on, they know these innovations are out there, but the way they are built, the scaling isn't available to them? So that was, I guess, number one. And I guess to add to that, uh, it was stunning to think, you know, PayPal is one of the more innovative companies in the space, right? Uh, and it did last year, it did like 900 billion in volume, just as a money network, money transfer network. Ethereum did 1.6 trillion. So this is actually real money, real change. So you know, it's interesting that um, you mentioned about being able to scale and managing risk. Yeah, well, look, uh, it's it's an interesting phenomenon to look into uh, in terms of companies noticing the innovation. And in this case, this is the this is the most amazing part. Ethereum is an open network. Nobody is stopping J.P. Morgan Chase to open up their own wallets. Nobody is stopping them. And in fact, if they jump on it, they will be one of the most competent companies that they can they can do something real good with it but by the time they get into it and they start buying ethereum they're just going to push up the price of ethereum and just creating a lot more resources for the innovators that are out there innovating faster than them so if you think from the perspective of that you know uh trade-offs of innovation they big companies are in a really tough spot and it doesn't matter if it is Google, Amazon, or a bank. But some of the big companies keep a kind of uh, clear mind about this. And I think the key word is decentralization. So if, and it's about that discovery and that, you know, those agents on the ground figuring things out. Thing is, if you want to approach this in a centralized way and pay people to do those discoveries for you, you're going to run out of money and people are going to run out of esteem. So that's where the thing breaks. But at the same time, when when the system is kind of designed in a way that is more decentralized, people are out there trying to do things that helps your business, um, then you have more chances to succeed in finding what's the next big thing. And and most of the tech companies, if you think about it, they do have that angle to them, right? So any any new person setting up a new website and new content on internet is helping Google. Any new person trying to sell stuff and do e-commerce on like out there is helping Amazon. So, and and if you don't build that in, you know, directly or indirectly, 
you you are you're in trouble so the decentralization is the key now i'm saying google and amazon are more decentralized than jp morgan in my mind but but then there is a more decentralized version that's coming and and the more decentralized you are you have more ideas and as long as you can push them through some pipes that really aggregates those ideas and turns them into real products you're going to win so and and but you need to do that like you know with the, the least decentralization least centralization possible and that's where i i envision seymour and our 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 view that we just want to be able to sit on top of all that innovation and make it available to masses and and i think that strategy would win it's it's matter of you know how decentralized you are and how much benefit you get from people out there doing those discoveries for you and if you cut yourself from those by becoming too you know risk manager or by becoming too centralized to kind of make profits and all these practices that kind of pushes you to act very centralized i think you're causing yourself trouble it it, it doesn't even make sense from a business and financial perspective to do so. We've talked a lot about um, the people who are kind of building this new financial system and and, um, creating the infrastructure needed to move forward in this space. I think for people like me who are, are, and and, um, people who have experienced a traditional financial system, um, the one thing that concerns me about moving into this new space and uh, decentralization itself, uh, apart from the confusion and, and trying to figure out what's actually going on, is security, right? I feel like that is one thing that um, is preached often, but we don't understand how this is more secure than the traditional financial system. So when we think about it, like what we think about as secure is that, okay, this company can put um, regulation. This company can put stops on certain things that that will help us feel like okay, they're actually making sure that that my money is kept safe, etc. I guess how do we get over that slump of you know feeling insecure about joining this new network um, that we're going into with decentralization? Yeah, look, I mean, it's going to be a, a challenge and transition, and this space is going to become more secure and safer, and that's one of the core things that products like us need to work on. That said, utility is the key. You know, late, late, late 90s, if you were putting your credit card in a website to buy books, you could be skeptical. Now, like, your credit card is literally in every app and website. Because you call it Uber, you get into it. It gets things done. You don't ask like, "Am I going to give my credit card to these guys?" So it's just the utility, and it's a trade-off. And the other thing is, big, big, you know, security that American banks offer to you is not because they are so great at it. It is because U.S. government backs them. It is because of FDIC. It's because every time they go to fail, U.S. government shows up and says. We're going to save you for good reasons. And they have been taking advantage of that. So the security is not a notion that they have somehow honed. Like there's so many banks that you go down, U.S. government shows up and pays for their basically uh, deposits lost and et cetera. And, and I think similar things will happen and should happen with, with DeFi. There's, there's nothing orthogonal here. Like you, you take USDC and a stable token. And if it becomes regulated enough, U.S. government will put the, you know, the, the eagle mark on it and like back it. And then at, when that happens, banks have no chance because this is just a way more efficient way to handle things. So and 
And most of these problems you can also solve. Yes, there there's always money lost. I mean, I can, I don't know, have you ever compared the number of heists and money that is stolen from banks <laughs> to like to, to these true, drug pools? I, I think you gotta look, you gotta have a fair view and where the, where the law enforcement comes in and uh, how these things work. And at the end of the day, if you think about it, from transparency and like core pillars of security, this ledger is out there. Everybody sees it. This is not like a bank's ledger in their basement that nobody knows what they do. And Jed knows all about this because he was in a bank and he used to come back yeah. home when we lived together. I used to just freak out, dude, you don't know what's happening. And he used to just go to this room. I used to <laughs> no, be like, I, okay. I worked a lot in controllership and a lot of the things that you're yeah. doing in this space, by the way, excites the shit out of me. So I just have to point that out before we go into the actual stuff. Yeah, dude, dude, just just think about it. All my customers bank, basically addresses, you want to, I don't want to call them bank accounts, but like banking service accounts, whatever it is. So all of them are out there. You want to monitor them? Go ahead, monitor them. You don't even need to ask me. Yeah. So that's what regulation is for, monitoring and knowing that what, what's going on under the hood. There is no hood. It is out there. All yours. Ask questions and I'll answer. So, and, and look, I mean, that is how we are going to win because this thing inherently is more transparent and safer. Uh, but yeah, there, there are some rough corners and obviously it needs to be, it needs to be kind of kept just like every other business and every other thing that needs a level of security and things are being figured out. But but that said, I think U.S. regulators and law enforcement also have been very active, like some of these scams and things are being recovered now. And, you know, they're on top of it. So and that's why a country like U.S. backing this thing and backing this as the next frontier of capitalism, as inclusive capitalism is just going to help us, you know, really accelerate. Because this is really about ownership. This is about inclusion. This is about core values of this country. And we have got a pretty powerful uh, law enforcement to, to back stuff that are built on those, on those values. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be safer. It's going to be better to use. And, uh, and even today, you know, if you go outside of US, you know, pretty much most of the other countries, Blockchain would be by 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 a lot of metrics yeah, a better yeah. banking service no than their, their internal it. banking. So there are one, more than one trillion dollars in dollar in cash form people are holding under their mattresses and stuff. So it, even even in US for a good part of like you know underbanked unbanked, these products are a better alternative. They pay they pay better rates. Yes, they don't have FDIC yet but they pay better rates and and i don't see a reason why the rates would go down if like more regulation comes in because inherently banking services spend like 300 dollars on every user because of their operational structure in in a product like ours that's not 300 that's like 30 cents yeah, yeah. it's like a thousand x better you download it you download our app you create a wallet on on blockchain and then and then you get like a few dollars and you do a lend it in three minutes you can do that in our app <laughs> and it costs us literally nothing and 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 show me another banking service that you walk in and you can create an account and you can do all those things in three minutes and it settles by the way in like Global. 10 seconds or five seconds exactly. rather than yeah. two days yeah. so i I, I think Global. that's something people don't 
really understand when thinking about this space, right? It's more efficient. It's faster. It's cheaper. That's what people don't understand. You know, it's the discussion about utility, right? You're not going to go around and tell, teach a billion people about blockchain. But you know what? To your point, you put a product in front of them that they move money and exactly. it works. They're going to use it. They're not going to care if it's on blockchain or, or my, my personal ledger. Exactly. But they're going to go with the utility. And, and, and that's, where, that's where you win when you, when you have your unit economics a thousand decks better than the incumbent. Uh, and, and people will deal with the security, you know, as you see the utility, they, they kind of warm up to it and they start realizing it. And, and if there are issues with the securities and they pop up, you solve them along the way. If there is value, you solve the issues. No, there was no company or nothing that has gotten traction without, uh, fraud and bad people showing up or they Google for, for, for a long time, the team that handled Fraud with like the, the the way that they were kind of trying to confuse the search engine was growing faster than the actual search engines team because there's just so much of garbage out there that we're trying to hack this. So and and it always happens. So and it, again, you have tens of thousands of people trying to make this secure. It's not just us, right? So that's also another functional difference that security is an individual problem when you centralize. It is, it, it, however, it is a kind of a common problem when you are decentralized. Somebody sitting probably somewhere thousands of miles from here doing something that's making my platform safer. And that's amazing. And here's another thing. If, if a platform is owned by a lot of people, they have less incentives to exactly. exploit it. The exclusive capitalism, the things that make things exclusive attracts more of those yeah. problems. Don't make it exclusive. Let everybody can own and benefit from it. And, and, and you have less of problems. I'm not saying it's going to go away, but I'm saying relatively, That's a key you theme, right? are in a better like boat. Inclusive capitalism. Yeah. So on this call, we learned a lot about how decentralization is revamping the whole traditional financial system. On part two of our call with Hussein, we talk about how to build a decentralized finance company for inclusion. We go more into Seymour, the app that he's created. And we go into how you can make sure that you make a truly decentralized company on the blockchain. 